Okay, turn over to Psalms 1. We, we all know, as Christians, uh, the, the good news that we have in Christ. In fact, we have been for some weeks uh, reaffirming the good news. Good news I didn't fully understand when I first became a Christian uh, and only came to understand it better as the years went on. Uh, the good news of salvation in Christ, by grace through faith, not of works, that uh, the good news is that, uh, that God has found a way for a perfect and holy and just God to have fellowship w with people like you and me who are not holy and, and who are not perfect and, and who at best fall short of law-keeping and who make mistakes and, and stick our foot in our mouth and all these kinds of things. And that the good news is that God loves us, Christ died for us, and you and I in Christ, even though we don't deserve it, based on our repentance and our trust in Him, can have the remission of our sins. And that we can be immersed into Christ, uh, come up out of the water, picturing that death, burial, and resurrection as individuals that are free of our sins and have the promise that as long as we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all sin. And we've learned that, that our salvation, thanks be to God and, and the understanding of the new covenant, does not deter, is not determined by our perfectly understanding everything, or our being perfect law keepers, or our being perfectly right on everything. You're not going to go to heaven because of a few things that you do right. And you're not going to lose your soul because you may be in ignorance wrong on some point or because you got this problem uh, within you that you're fighting and constantly repenting of and, and still haven't got there yet. Uh, well, you keep working on it, but, uh, but you're going to heaven if that's your frame of mind and you've got your trust in Jesus and, and, and that's the good news. And so we've, we've put a lot of emphasis on that, that God wants you and, us as, you and I as Christians to realize that we are free from our sins, our salvation is in Christ. It's a righteousness that is imparted to us by Him. But in the process of all of this, one thing we want to always remember, and that's what we're going to remind ourselves of in the few minutes that we're going to talk this morning, and that is in talking about salvation in Jesus by grace through faith, uh, unmerited uh, salvation based on trust in His atonement, we in no way take anything away from God's law. God's law is absolutely perfect. Uh, his commandments are, are right and good. They are so inherently right that our success and happiness in this life will be tied to the observance of these commands. Uh, the success or lack of success in your marriages, in our marriages, the success or lack of success in our rearing of our children, our success or lack of success in our relationship with others will be to a great extent, not 100%, but to a great extent tied to the respect that you have for that perfect law and to the extent uh, that we put it into practice. On the other hand, as we fall short and as we are constantly repenting, there is always the assurance in our mind that our salvation is in Christ. But there always ought to also be is that, hey, these commands of God are, are not so many laws designed to take all the fun out of life. Uh, they're not there to keep you from having fun. They are there to teach you the right and the best way to live, and success and happiness in life will come to the extent. And not only that, another thing, to the extent that we keep it. 
And another thing to remember, as we saw in our study on David the other week, and that is that although we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, and, and, and we can make a lot of blunders and repent of them and, and still be forgiven and be ignorant of some things and, and, and walk in Christ, there is a great reality about life in this world. And that is, as we reap, we will sow. And, and God, although he forgives us of our sins, does not step in in some mystical way and stop the consequences of those sins. Because it is the consequences of sin that actually help to demonstrate to our minds how right God's way is. And, and help to show the society that we live in that, hey, God's law isn't just there. I believe our society that we're living in will wake up and realize that what God says about homosexuality or, or some of the other practices, sexual relations outside of marriage and other certain types of conduct, he's not saying that for just no reason. That that type of behavior is wrong, it is detrimental to the human family, and when practiced, it will lead to the destruction of the human family. That you just simply cannot have relationships that are successful when you disregard God's laws in that area. I believe the society, I believe the consequences. So I don't cry about AIDS or, or syphilis or gonorrhea or a lot of the other things that are happening out there. I hate it that it happens. But in the process, I try to think maybe those consequences will help us to wake up to the fact that God's law is right. We don't have to have AIDS. We don't have to have syphilis. And we don't have to have gonorrhea. And we don't have to have all these broken homes. And we don't have to have all the poverty that we have as a result of the broken homes and things like that. We don't have to have all these children running around with a chip on their shoulder and problems because of situations that are beyond their control. That God's law is right, it's perfect, and if we're willing to submit to it and enact it, we can straighten this out. And so to the extent that those diseases and those problems in our society point out the perfection of God's law and cause people to come to grips with that and have a desire to repent, uh, then I rejoice in that. And, but on the other hand then, we want to be there showing the perfection of the law, but something else we want to be doing at the same time. We don't want to show the perfection of the law from a self-righteous standpoint because we're all lawbreakers. We all fall short. And so whatever problem this person has uh, in, in the life, we want to do it from the standpoint of, hey, we're sinners just like you are. And we found our redemption in Christ. You can have the remission of your sins. You can repent of your sins. You can have righteousness in Christ. And then you can set about applying the law of God to your life and begin to change things and make them better. But all the time you can do it from within a framework of security about your salvation in Christ. Look at beginning with uh, verse 1 of the psalm. Blessed are literally happy. Uh, blessed is a Latin word that literally means happy. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or set in the seat of markers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like the shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
Okay, now look at the statement there. Plain statement about God's law. He said, happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. So he recognizes that in, in this society that we live in, the sinner is simply a person who is transgressing God's law. He recognizes that there are a lot of people out there, probably the majority of mankind, who are not living their lives in compliance to God's law. They've got a lot of advice to give. I'll tell you a good place to start on when he talks about the counsel of sinners and everything. A good place to start out of curiosity every now and then in our own society is, is some of these uh, shows they have on TV where they have these various people that with all these uh, problems in life and everything, and as they have them on there with their, their various problems in, in, in generally of a moral, na moral nature, they sit back, for example, and Orpha Winfrey, um, She's living with a guy she's not married to, and she's not a religious person in her, so far as the, what we have right, right here in New Testament Christianity. Uh, Geraldo, uh, the, the last thing I read on him, he said he's, he's known at least intimately over a thousand women, you know, in his lifetime, and, and he's helping people handle her problems. And then we got Donahue, who has as much respect for the Bible as, as, as you and I have for Penthouse, and he's helping people with their problems and standing up. And so these people, here is the advice of the world. And so these people come forth with all their problems, you know. I've been with uh, Joe for five years, and, and then he dumped me for Susie, and, and I'm brokenhearted. And so but today's program is about women who have lived at least three years with a guy they were not married to, and he dumped them and went with somebody else. How do we handle this situation, you know? And tomorrow's program, we'll deal with guys who dump gals, and, and why do they do it? And we'll, we'll handle that situation. And then the next day, we're going to talk about with guys who are getting more enjoyment out of living with men and they do ladies, and ladies who get more enjoyment out of living with ladies. And, and we'll talk about that, and we'll figure all this out. And so they get it all out there, and there's the advice. And you sit there and you listen to it. And if you're a student of the Bible and of God's law, on the one hand, they're almost humorous. On the other hand, it's sad. And, and then your brain is crying out, why can't they see that? Why, why, look at, where is their happiness? You know, the impression that is left by our TV is that uh, the real happy, contented, uh, sexual people, for example, in their sexuality, are these guys that are running around knowing all these gals and these gals that know all the guys, and that's where real happiness is. In fact, the, this situation where we got guys that like guys, they're so happy that they just call themselves gay. To depict their happiness. And so the impression is, this is happiness. This is gay. And, and that's put before our young people. And man, this situation where you've got a man and woman whose relationship is, who are married and who are uh, restricting their relationship to the, the marriage partner, it's as if that is the most boring, uh, the dullest thing in existence. I mean, there's no movies made on anything like that. When is the last time on any of those programs they had a happily married couple who were limiting their relationship to one another and were rearing children and, and their children had not committed incest or hit anybody over the head, head or were on drugs or anything like that. And they've had a family like that on there to inquire as to what's happening in their family. They don't have people like that on a talk show. They're just not there. They're boring. You see, the impression is it's, that's dull. 
But what the writer here is saying, he says, listen, happy is the man. He's saying that the, the really happy person is this person that's doing it God's way. That that, that law is absolutely right. Look at what he says about it. Uh, when he talks about the law, the law itself and they're submitting to it, in verse 3 he said, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. He says, not so the wicked, verse 4. Uh, they are like the shaft that the wind blows away. Uh, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, now, this, when you read Psalms 1, like the 23rd Psalm and the others, don't read it as a dictate from heaven. It's not. And it would lose part of its value. It's written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it's based on an observation. Just as Luke writes with the discernment of the Holy Spirit. But it's based on an examination of the materials. And Matthew writes as an eyewitness. And John is an eyewitness. And the Holy Spirit is there to give them a perfect remembrance of what they write, but it's based on what they have seen and heard. In the same vein, the psalmist, whether it's the 23rd Psalm or this, is writing out of his experiences. And the proverb writer is writing out of his experience. And what he has witnessed with his own eyes and experienced in his own life, in his mind, he has witnessed that, hey, the happy people, the successful people, the people that you can compare to a tree that's planted by a stream, the people who stand up are the individuals who are living their lives respecting God's law. And, and the wicked over here, hey, look at them in their period of revelry. Look at them in their moment of sin. And sometimes they, th they seem to be having a good time. But look at what happens to their marriages. Look at what happens to their children. Look at what happens to their relationship to others. Everybody talks about the survival ability of Saddam. For a billion times a billion dollars, I wouldn't trade place with that man if I knew he was going to make it another 50 years and I was going to die in 10. Can you imagine living in, a, in such a way that there are millions and millions of people that hate your guts? That there are millions of people that would love the opportunity to kill you and the only thing that will keep them from killing you is armed guards all around you all the time? That the only people that are nice to you are nice because they're scared to death of you? So people are nice to you are respectful because they're scared of you and millions despise you and want to kill you. And you know deep down that sooner or later, one of them's going to get through. One of them's going to get you. Well, is that happening? He's wealthy. He's eating well. I'd rather be up in the mountain with the Kurds. I'd be up there in the mountains with the Kurds in their situation than in Saddam's situation if I had the choice. I mean, they, they can lay down at least, maybe, have some sense of peace of mind. And so the, the psalmist is saying that happiness, true happiness, comes from within the law of God. Turn over to Psalms 19. He starts off in the first part of the psalm talking about the heavens declaring the glory of God. And through the first six verses, what 
the psalmist is talking about is evidence for the existence of God. And he's simply saying that the creator is declared by the creation that the stars, the sun and the moon, the solar system, the galaxies, they cry out with a voice that can be heard all over the world. Uh, that we look at it and we know uh, that for all of this design and intellect and, and all of the size, how much greater must be the creator behind it all. Now having nailed down this, he comes to verse 7. He looks at God's law is part of the evidence. It had to come from the creator. It couldn't come from any human being because it's perfect. And, and, and the writer knows enough about human beings to know that perfect philosophy of life doesn't come from any human being. So begin, begin in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Notice what you have just read is the, his words and the medita his meditation. Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Look at verse 10. Speaking of God's law. More precious than gold, than much gold. Sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them... There is great reward. So he looks at, at God's law. And he uses, uses some poetic statements. He said, it's sweeter than honey. It's worth more than gold. Is that an overstatement? It's not a dictation from heaven. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. He's unto something good and the Holy Spirit has grabbed it. The creator of the universe says, I want this pen for all eternity for people to think about. But of his own free will, he's experienced life, okay? He's lived life. We know David. We know David's adultery. We know the murder. We know the shortcomings. He's lived life. And having lived life, he's meditating and he's thinking and he thinks of God's law, and he thinks of his life, and he thinks of others. And his conclusion is, God's law is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. It has to come from God, because no human being out there is perfect. No human being gives a philosophy like this. It has to come from God, just as surely as the heavens declare the glory of God, this perfect law is a statement that it has to come from God, the very perfection of it declares that it how does he know it's perfect how do you know apple pie is good how do you know you've got a good car or a lemon you know it through experience and so with experience with life he looks at the law 
And he said, it is absolutely perfect, sweeter than honey to my taste, more valuable than gold. Well, is it an overstatement? Well, let's look at it. Donald Trump. You know, I have to watch. Sometimes I probably shouldn't use names the way everybody gets sued anymore. Of course, I don't know that Donald has any more than I've got any more to sue, so maybe he won't. Donald Trump. All his billions. Uh, you, you've seen him on the news and all the tabloids and the magazines and all. Pursued money and he made it. Good looking, handsome man. Seems to be in good health. Um, married an attractive lady. Healthy children. His number one pursuit is money though. Not God. Not religion. Not the law of God. So gold... Anything he wants to eat, anything he wants to wear, anything he wants to drive, he's got it all. If you have a, a good marriage and you've been successful with your children and you've got a good reputation, would you trade places with Donald Trump because he's still maybe got a few billion dollars in his name? Would you want his situation in marriage in all these other phases of his life is there, is there any amount of money is there, is there any prestige is there any of the material things of life that could make you happier than having a mate that you have a good relationship with does the money and the car and the house have more to do with your happiness than to have a mate that you're satisfied with and she's satisfied with you and you have a good relationship and it's based on the laws of God? Is there any amount of money if you rear your children and you lose them to the world and one is on drugs and one is over here in trouble, three of them are so selfish that they, oh, they think of nothing except themselves and having fun. Is there, is there any amount of money that I can give you that will compensate for that? And, and cause you to sleep better and to do away with your grief and your thinking about that? Uh, you'd rather be in poverty and be laying there thinking about, hey, all my children are in Jesus. All my children are, are married to people who are in Jesus. And they're bringing up children in Jesus and they're living their lives in that way. Well, you can sleep good in a tent with that. You can be in a mansion with the other and, and laying there wide awake and sweating and the tears flowing. And yet mothers every day and fathers in our society have been so deceived by this philosophy of the scornful sinner that David alluded to in Psalms 1 that they're pursuing the other at the demise of the most important and that is the relationships with their mate, the relationship with their children, what is going on in bringing that children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the relationship with other human beings. Uh, better to have good relationship with people and people that love you and you love them and have less money than to always be the one with the big deal and maybe step on some toes and hurt some people along the way and have some people out there that can't stand you and hate you and would like to see your fall. The psalmist knew a lot. He made mistakes. But he made some tremendous observations about life. And the sooner I'm convinced that in our lives 
we come to realization that what he says there is right. And we've got the experience of his life and begin making those applications relative to God's law to our own lives, the sooner we begin to have the kind of happiness and contentment and success, the really success in life, that God intends for us to have. Let's conclude our study for this morning. If you're in our audience as one that is not a Christian, God loves you no matter what your condition, how successful or unsuccessful. You are as a mate or a parent or are in the society or whatever. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Whatever blunders in your life, God will forgive you. He'll receive you in Christ. He'll, he'll give you righteousness that's imparted to you based on your trust in Jesus. Uh, you can have eternal life and, and remission of sins. And then God wants you to be so turned on by his love and his mercy and his kindness towards you and so understanding as a result of suffering the consequences of sin that his law is right, that you'll have your desire to spend your, the rest of your life being a light in the world that you live in of the salvation we can have in Jesus and also what happens when we turn our lives over to God through his law and begin living there the very best that we know how. We give you the opportunity to respond as together we stand and sing.